Ryan Hawkinsmith, you are here to tell us the story of the man who is the single best defensive player in the NFL and also arguably just the best player in the entire league, period. And your piece, it turns out, is shockingly well-timed because of what happened late last week. It is must-see video that's come down in the last couple of hours. Take a look at Bengals-Rams joint practice. 99, that would be one Aaron Donald. Ever heard of him? You see him swinging the Bengals helmet in both of his hands. Whatever happened to exhibition and joint practices? So for the people who missed this video, how would you describe what Aaron Donald did exactly? It was a chippy practice session between the Bengals and Rams. And at the end of the practice session, it was the first team Bengals offense against the first team Rams defense, which that sounds familiar. That is how the Super Bowl ended last year. Yes. Did not end well for the Bengals. And I would say this one did not end well for the Bengals either because chaos erupted. Fists flying, everybody running onto the field. But from among the chaos, a pretty clear picture emerged of Aaron Donald in the middle of it. And he was not swinging one helmet at Bengals players. He was swinging two helmets at Bengals players. And it looked really bad. I mean, you hear there's like a crunch noise at one point that made me sort of cringe because you're realizing like what damage a helmet can do. Mm. And by the fifth time I watched it, I was just sort of, I mean, I hate to use the word in awe because it's a pretty serious, like you just don't want people swinging helmets at each other. No, but but Ryan, this is, this is a sport where physicality is fetishized. Yeah. And so for all of the moral complications of a football practice, and this one in specific, there is something that is awe-inspiring about how this guy ended up being clearly the top of the food chain. You know, in a meta way, that's kind of the story of Aaron Donald's life. Aaron Donald rips into the turf and jumps on the football! A strip sack, and Donald and the Rams take over! He operates as a smallish guy in all of this traffic where God knows what happens on these offensive and defensive lines and in the piles and in the scrums. It is a tough business. Breeze drops back, it's crushed, and the ball comes loose. Rams recover at the six-yard line. Aaron Donald forced it out. But for 25 years now on a football field, Aaron Donald has gone into these scrums and emerged as the guy your eyes are attracted to, the guy standing above the quarterback. He's not usually swinging helmets at people, but he plays with an edge. And if there was an Aaron Donald movie, that scene, that 30-second video could be the trailer for it because it's the story of his life. scariest movie in the NFL is Aaron Donald game film. And if you think I'm exaggerating, just ask literally anybody, anybody in this sport, any of the quarterbacks who are paid a lot of money to dominate this era, but have failed repeatedly to come even close to dominating him. Ask the old lineman tasked with stopping him. Ask the quarterbacks who benefit from his pressure. Ask the most leather-faced old-school coach or the most data-driven nerd you can find. Ask them who more consistently threatens to break jaws as well as drop them. 
episode today. Ryan Hockensmith tells us the origin story of the best defensive player of his generation from kindergarten all the way to the present. And we learn how Aaron Donald became the apex predator of the NFL. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Wednesday, August 31st. This is ESPN Daily. So, Ryan, I'm looking at this story that you wrote for ESPN.com that's out today, and I'm counting more than 20 different stories about Aaron Donald and how the guy came to be the guy, one of just the most dominant players in the history of football, arguably. And so if you were to pick just an overarching theme here, a through line for this collection of stories you've assembled, what would it be? Well, I think the one big through line that I discovered about Aaron Donald is one that is uh, something that you've covered quite a bit, Pablo, which is this idea that football people at all levels have a remarkable ability to zero in on one little thing that just taints the whole punch bowl. Mm. From Kenny Pickett's hand size to, you know, in Aaron Donald's case, it's his height. They just couldn't get past the fact that he was only, I'm doing air quotes around, only six foot or six foot one the sacks, the fumbles, the like tremendous leadership and drive and the speed and the power of Aaron Donald. Scouts and personnel people, mostly throughout his entire life, they just couldn't see past his height. And from a very early age, Donald was aware of that knock on him. And it really explains a player that has a chip on his shoulder. It explains where that chip came from. Typically, a defensive tackle in the NFL is one of these over 300-pound, 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", just sort of gargantuan humans. Aaron Donald, I would not call him small, but he is differently built. Pablo, if you and me and Aaron Donald went to the mall today, everybody would be staring at this massive guy, Aaron Donald, who's six foot or six foot one. So he's not, he's not five three, you know. But in that world, he is a small guy by comparison, and. It was funny, a couple of the coaches I talked to made varying different comments, but along the same lines that like it has given hope to six foot tall defensive linemen around the country. And I said, oh, do you think we'll see a wave of them that get to the NFL now because of Aaron Donald? And they all went, no, Aaron Donald, I'm sorry, like Aaron Donald, (laughs) he's different. And for this story, by the way, you did speak to the people who are most like Aaron Donald, like his dad, for instance, Archie Donald Sr., And so what did he have to say about how Aaron, his son, looked at the very start? Well, his older brother started playing and they would have to drag. It was a typical younger brother, just dragged along to these games. And he would sit there and not say much. He would cheer for his brother, but it wasn't like sheer exuberance. He wasn't putting on pads himself. So his parents were like, yeah, maybe maybe he'll play football. Maybe he won't. They just weren't sure about what was going on inside his head. He was just a very quiet kid. And then one day his dad describes this scene when Aaron was like three or four and they got home from a game and he heard papers ripping in the other room. And so he kind of wandered in and, and he found Aaron on the floor, not saying a word, just tearing up these tiny pieces of paper and then crunching them up into paper balls. And he spread them out. And from the corner, Archie, Archie Sr. just kind of looked and he counted up the papers. There was 22 of them. There were 11 on each side. And then he smiled and he just watched his little buddy over there start to run plays and diagram plays. And mm. he said, that's the moment when I thought, hey, maybe maybe Aaron will be uh, interested in football someday. So how does Aaron go from making this sort of very analog version of electric football to actually getting on the field himself? So he eventually, he starts playing as a six-year-old and he has a good year. 
And by age seven, though, he weighed too much for his age group, which was six to eight. Uh, his dad described how much he said, little Aaron loved some uh, double cheeseburgers from Wendy's. <laughs> and so he, as a, as a seven-year-old, he was too big. And so they put him on Archie Jr.'s team, which is a uh, nine to 11-year-old team. And he loved it, but this is like such an examination of a, of a young boy who turns into the guy we see now. He was the shortest guy. He was very powerful, very fast. He was the youngest by up to four years mm. and much, much shorter. And so even though he was playing well, he was going against guys that were sometimes six inches or more taller than him. The best way to describe him is that everything you see from him off the field, he is a gentleman. He is not a gentle man, though, on the football field. <laughs> and it has been that way since he's been in first grade to up to the practice with the Bengals where he's swinging helmets at guys. His dad, when he was talking about all of these instances of kids grabbing his face mask, pushing his face, literally punching down on him, his dad said... Um, when he got on the field, he was a mean little guy and he learned to express himself on the field. Then he paused for a second and he just kind of, I could just like hear his dad chuckling a little bit and just sort of reflecting on the life of Aaron Donald. And I heard his dad laugh for a second and he goes, he was so goddamn mean. <laughs> and it, it, it laughed. I'm thinking this kid's in first grade, you know, carrying a little lunch school and it. And it was like, oh my God, little Aaron is so mean. Yes, he's seven. It's unbelievable how consistent it is throughout his life. When I talked to Mike Waffle, his old defensive line coach, when the Rams drafted him, he told a story about one of the first practices. I think it was a mini camp practice where Aaron Donald's his first round pick and the new kid and very short, a lot shorter than a lot of the offensive linemen. And yet he's thumping. And like every offensive lineman before him, some Rams offensive lineman reached over and grabbed Donald's face mask and wouldn't let go. Was kind of jerking it around. Waffle was like in disbelief, even telling the story 10 years later. Aaron Donald reaches over, grabs the offensive lineman's face mask and rips down. And he rips the face mask entirely off of the guy's helmet. <laughs> Waffle said he's never, he's never seen anything like it. Oh my God. And that was a moment where it's like a silly mini camp scrimmage, right? But that's the moment where he said all of the Rams players are like, oh, our teammate can do Mortal Kombat fatalities. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Note to self, don't grab that dude's face mask. How quickly in high school did it become clear that this was going to be a special kid? Who did you talk to who sort of filled in that part of the story? I talked to a lot of his coaches and, and teammates, but um, Damon Gibson was his defensive coordinator. And when he got to high school and started practicing and then in early games, Damon Gibson pulled him aside and said, hey, you're doing great, but you have one move and only one move, and we need to change that. And Aaron Donald was in shock because he was like, I'm getting sacks and pressures and, and tackles for loss. I don't understand why you would make me change my move. And Damon Gibson explained to him, hey, I don't think that you are going to be a pretty good player. Pretty good players have one move, but pretty good players with one move end up only getting so far. What it created was this great rising high school football player 
who had to look to the sideline between plays, mm. almost like a pitcher and a catcher's interactions, you know? Right, or, or like how Sean McVay was sort of coaching Jared Goff with the Rams at the beginning, always in connection on the sideline. Yeah, and he developed this incredible bond where DeMond Gibson would signal what move he wanted Aaron to use. And they had a good rapport. So Aaron had a, I mean, he had a great high school career, but it got to the point where toward the end of Aaron's career as a senior, he said to Damon Gibson before one of his last games, so what are you thinking? What moves are we going to lean on today? And Damon Gibson said, you tell me, I'm not signaling you today. It's all on you. You know what you're doing and you're going to figure it out. And Aaron had a look in his eyes for, you know, a millisecond, like, oh, what am I going to do without being told what pitch to throw? But then he went out and, and he figured it out. It was like a movie scene where like the, you know, the karate kid, he paints the fence and scrubs the car and all that stuff. And puts it all together. And that's what Aaron Donald did. And from that day forward, no one signals to Aaron Donald what he needs to do. He knows. And so Aaron Donald turns in this dominating high school career for Penn Hills High School, just outside of Pittsburgh. But the record, Ryan, will show that he got college offers from exactly two schools, Pitt and Toledo, which is just, you know, unthinkable at this point. So if you were to pick a play from high school to just make the point as to how badly the entirety of college football missed on Aaron Donald, what play do you want to throw on this projector screen of shame? Well, it's actually a play. It's not from a game. It's from a scrimmage, which is <laughs> a theme, a recurring theme today. Like you think the games are good. My God, watch out for this guy <laughs> in scrimmages. But it was a scrimmage toward the end of his high school career. They were playing Mount Lebanon, which is a, which is a local rival in the Pittsburgh area. And it was a pretty chippy day and you weren't supposed to hit the quarterback in these scrimmages. And, you know, according to the Penn Hills people, the Mount Lebanon players were not obeying that and they were kind of uh, hitting the quarterback for Penn Hills a little bit too much. And Aaron Donald heard that and went in and toward the end of this scrimmage, he breaks through the line and it was like a read option type play where the quarterback and running back, it, it was confusing who was going to end up with the ball. So Aaron Donald reaches out and he just puts one hand on each guy and wraps their jersey and basically lifts them off the ground. And the way the coaches described it was he helicopters them. <laughs> it's really like a guy with two little kids almost. And he's swinging them through the air and he put them both down onto the ground, did not tackle them, did not throw them to the ground. But it was so shocking and so violent, both sidelines emptied out. The way that the coaches described it even took your breath away. And you realize like even in scrimmages, this guy was doing physical feats that just defy what your imagination can come up with. But what's so crazy about this all, Ryan, is that there is a clip of Aaron Donald that's going viral on Twitter right now from his time at Pitt in college. And... He is also, in this clip, tackling a quarterback and a running back at the very same time as he's defending this RPO. His teammates, when they talk about their favorite plays, this is it. And it was toward the end of the first quarter against Duke in 2013. He blew up the play, got in the backfield. Quarterback and running back are standing there around the ball. He tried to decipher who had it, and he was just like, you know what, let's just take them both down. And that on second and ten. Oh, and both the quarterback and the man he handed off to yeah, are tackled who? by Donald. Guess who? <laughs> this is what we saw. We had uh, had a chance to watch Pitt last week, and this is this is who he is. Defeats the down block. They were trying to cut him off. 
tackled the quarterback and the back. I got you, you and I got you. Yeah, we're not sure who has it. Just tackled the entire backfield. Does that count as two tackles? Yeah, that's a good idea. How many defensive players can be like, I'm not sure who has the ball. I'll just, you know, maybe I'll tackle all of them. <laughs> and that's what he did. It was not this massive decleating hit, but it was just like, okay, there, how many people on earth have that ability? I was talking to Pat Bostic, who was a quarterback on that pit team. And as he talked about that play himself, he just shook his head and he just said, you know, God made a perfect defensive tackle. Up next, the story of how Aaron Donald went full street fighter on a college teammate. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Ryan, I want to rewind a bit here because I want to take us to Pitt in 2010 when Aaron Donald is arriving as this generally anonymous college football prospect, a freshman. And so what kind of impression did he make on his new classmates? Well, people knew his name. He was a touted recruit. He was from the area, too. So Pittsburgh kids who go to Pittsburgh come in with a little bit of uh, just the extra little hype around him. But the moment that really started to blow people away was in the weight room. Donald didn't really brag too much, but he just started putting some plates on. He started like really hanging 45s on the bench press. And Tino Sinceri, who was the starting quarterback at the time, watched Donald racking weight. And then at a certain point, he started counting. He did the he did the gym math where you're like 45 plus 45 plus 45 plus 45. <laughs> and he eventually got to 425 pounds. This oh, guy's man. 18 years old, uh, six feet tall. And Tino Sinceri sort of had a moment where he's like, oh no, I hope this guy doesn't like get strangled by his own overlifting. And then Donald lays down and just starts ripping off sets at 425. And he said his jaw dropped and that everybody's did. And so in some ways, Aaron Donald, that's a moment when he arrived with the guys. And so what was it like to coach Aaron Donald in college? Well, you know, Aaron Donald had one of the more interesting college careers when it comes to coaches because after his first year, which was a good year, good freshman year, the entire staff got uh, fired. And so he ended up with six head coaches, believe it or not, in four years. Insane. And each one of the coaches had the same experience of watching tape of Aaron Donald and thinking, boy, I got a pretty good player here. And then seeing him every day and having just their jaw drop. My favorite anecdote that I put in the story was Keith Patterson in 2011. He was a new defensive coordinator. And so early on that August, they were putting guys out there and just seeing what they were capable of, trying to get a feel for them. And Keith Patterson describes this scene of he watched Aaron Donald go against a much taller offensive lineman and they got into it. This is a recurring theme. 
The offensive lineman did the Aaron Donald cardinal sin, which is he got frustrated. He reached over and grabbed Aaron Donald's face mask and started yanking him around. Mm. Keith Patterson was on this Zoom and he just started smiling and laughing. And he said, you know, Aaron never said a word. He just uppercutted the helmet right off of the guy. Just show Ryukin to dude his helmet right off. Yeah, and he described it. He didn't like punch the guy in the jaw. He just punched his helmet off. So that's why, like, I said to Keith Patterson, well, like, oh, my God, did you kick him out? And he was like, no way, man. I, <laughs> I admired his fire. I said, so what was your reaction? And he said, well, I leaned over to the other defensive coaches, and I, I started laughing. I said, man, don't piss that guy off. I want to give credit here to some of the people, some of those precious few souls who actually bought stock in Aaron Donald early. And Mike Waffle, the guy you mentioned, who was the D-line coach with the Rams when Aaron Donald got drafted. I mean, what was his perspective on the draft and Aaron's draft stock heading into April 2014? Well, he had mixed feelings. He absolutely loved Aaron Donald. And he said the entire coaching staff of the Rams did. But despite having the number two and the number 13 overall picks, he was like, there's no way we're going to get him. And it's because they needed a tackle really bad at number two. And then they didn't think there was any way Aaron Donald would last till number 13. But they decided to bring him in anyway. That day, Mike Waffle went down and got him in the lobby and was walking through the hallways. And he said, let's go visit all of the coaches. They're in this meeting room over here. And so they throw open the door and Jeff Fisher and everybody's in there and they're looking at tape of Johnny Manziel. And so Johnny Manziel's up on the big screen. All of his measurables and stuff are written on a whiteboard. The room was Johnny Manziel Central. And here's Aaron Donald. Mm. So they talk to coaches. Everybody says hello. Everybody says they think he's going to be great. Blah, blah, blah. All football small talk. And when they leave, they're walking through the hallways. Waffle's giving them a tour of the facility. And he says, hey, how do you think it went? And he goes, I don't know. I just saw a lot of Johnny Manziel in there. (laughs) In a moment of frustration... Mike Waffle, he wasn't mad at his coaches. He was just mad at the situation. He ended up pulling the little magnetic Aaron Donald name off of their draft board. And Waffle's 6'4". He said, I leaned down and then I jumped as high as I could and I slapped Aaron Donald's name way up above everybody else on our draft board. (laughs) And because he's so tall, there was no other coach that was like tall enough to reach up and pull it back down. So it, it just stayed there. They left uh, Aaron Donald's magnetic name way up above everybody. So how did this all play out on draft night? Well, if you look at that draft, it's an incredible draft. Jadavian Clowney wasn't like going to be a really good player. He was going to change the NFL. He was a prodigy. He was a phenom. And so he went number one. And then the Rams did their thing. They took Greg Robinson. Mike Waffle's sitting in his office on draft night and he's seeing some teams make some reaches. Anthony Barr went a lot higher to the Vikings than people expected. With the eighth pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Cleveland Browns select Justin Gilbert, defensive back. And they're getting to seven, eight, nine, ten, and it's like Mike Waffle's sitting up in his seat thinking, wait, What if Aaron Donald falls to us at number 13? With the 11th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the Tennessee Titans select Taylor Lewan, tackle, Michigan. Sure enough, it gets to number 12 and the Giants are up and it's Tom Coughlin. Loves him some uh, defensive linemen. Yes. And 
he just thought, ah, so close. What a bummer. With the 12th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Odell Beckham, wide receiver. And the Giants take Odell Beckham. And <laughs> Waffle, uh. Mike Waffle, like, Mike Waffle is like giddy. And just to be on the safe side, he sneaks into the draft room. Position coaches, I mean, they don't put every coach in the draft room. So he kind of snuck in and found a seat in the back. Jeff Fisher goes, hey, somebody go grab Waffle. And Waffle's like, I'm already here, you know, from the back <laughs> of the room. <laughs> and they shared this look between each other. And then they both kind of looked over at the draft board. And way high up above every other name was still that magnetic Aaron Donald name. With the 13th pick in the 2014 NFL Draft, the St. Louis Rams select Aaron Donald, defensive tackle, Pittsburgh. So the stout. Coming up, from that draft moment to a Super Bowl ring for Aaron Donald and how all of that led to thoughts of early retirement. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ryan, to your point, it was an insane draft, but Aaron Donald is the guy. Aaron Donald is the guy who winds up making what is the game ceiling play in Super Bowl 56, really? Yeah. Right? Where he's pressuring Joe Burrow, where he's forcing incompletion on fourth and one on the final drive with a championship on the line. Fourth and one, shotgun snap low, picks it up, left tackle block. Here comes Donald, and he spins Burrow around, who then tried to throw it away. The Rams celebrating on the near side. On downs, it goes to L.A. And that may do it. That may do it. But the story there also was what he had said about his retirement, Ryan. That he was truly considering stepping away from football. Aaron Donald was at age 31. And he said this to the I Am Athlete podcast. I don't, the thing is, I don't need to play football to be fine. Like, I'm, 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 I'm fine. Like, I'm, I was blessed to play this game to make 
the money I made, the accomplishments I made in eight years is like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm complete. I'm, I'm like, if I can win another one, that's great. But if not, I'm like, I'm at peace. So, so, so if the business doesn't make sense to you, you're willing to... I'm at peace. You're I'm at, at peace. peace. I'm at peace. What did you make of the whole Super Bowl storyline in totality? It came up a lot with his inner circle, you know, from his dad to his former coaches. And um, I did not talk to Aaron Donald himself for this one, but I talked to almost everybody around him. And um, they all described it. I thought it was a pretty cool aftermath of the Super Bowl where Donald, um, he went through this phase where he really sat and enjoyed the moment. He really sat with it and stayed in the present and enjoyed it. There aren't stories of him ripping off his pads and running upstairs to look at film for the next season. Like, let's go crunch some game tape. He enjoyed this win and he had sort of a victory lap where it was just like, I did it and I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it. But everybody I talked to also chuckled because they weren't really thinking like, ah, I bet, I wonder if Aaron's going to retire. That just didn't really go through their head because they know they've all seen it up close. He is a relentless, unstoppable force who was not going to retire at the peak of his powers. He's as good as he ever has been. But the idea, hold on, because you just mentioned that he wasn't going to step away at the peak of his powers. Have we seen Aaron Donald's peak yet? Because I know he's the highest paid non-quarterback in the league now. That's what the Rams made him in exchange, I suppose, for his continued employment. $65 million guaranteed over the next two seasons. But the idea, Ryan, that we have not even seen the very top of this mountain, albeit a 6-1 mountain, that to me is, is unsettling. Yeah, I, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to Dwayne Brown, who's his, he's been his trainer since he was a teenage kid. He's, his, he's been his trainer for like 20 years now, and he still works with him. And he's like, he ain't done, man. He might be better than ever. And he describes a lot of their workouts these days. I mean, he's a workout guy. He like works so hard. He's like one of the only defensive tackles where if you lift up the belly part of their jersey, there's a lot of abs you can see under there. And Dwayne Brown was just like, man, I have him working out with Najee Harris and some of the running backs that are in my stable of athletes. This guy is an unstoppable force and he ain't going anywhere. So he might earn every penny of that money. He might be underpaid by the end of this contract, believe it or not. It sounds, Ryan, like you've already begun to prepare an epilogue to this collection of stories. Well, I know I have uh, anecdote number one will be the full story of what happened on, on the field in the Bengals scrimmage. I just think this guy is as fiery as ever. Like maybe he spent 10 seconds thinking about walking off into the sunset, but man, he's back. And that's why I think like the Rams, because they have him, they got a great offense. We know about that. But because they have him, he's just such a disruptive player that it sure seems like all eyes are on. Let's win it again. And they just might do it. Ryan Hockensmith, thank you for continuing to report this story. And also thank you to all of the equipment managers who have been forced to trail Aaron Donald throughout his life. <laughs> Yes, they have had their hands full and they will continue to have their hands full with Aaron Donald. So thank you so much for having me, Pablo. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>